Welcome to the Clinical Guidelines Podcast Series from the Infectious Disease Society of America, where we will regularly keep you up to date on important new guidelines. This is Dr. Jim Horton, Chairman of the Guidelines Committee. Leading this program is Dr. Neil Skolnick, who is Professor of Family Medicine at Temple University School of Medicine and Associate Director of the Family Medicine Residency Program at Abington Memorial Hospital. Welcome, Dr. Skolnick. Thank you. I'm looking forward to going over the guidelines. And now for the program. Today, we're going to discuss the new Infectious Disease Society of America Clinical Practice Guideline for the Diagnosis and Management of Group A Streptococcal Pharyngitis. This is an important guideline because Group A beta hemolytic strep is the most common bacterial cause of acute pharyngitis, responsible for 5 to 15% of sore throat visits in adults and 20 to 30% in children. Accurate diagnosis, followed by appropriate treatment, is important in order to prevent acute rheumatic fever, prevent superative complications, improve symptoms and signs, decrease contagiousness, and minimize the potential adverse effects of inappropriate antibiotic therapy. Acute pharyngitis is one of the most frequent illnesses for which we as primary care physicians are consulted, approximately 15 million visits per year in the United States. But it's important to understand that less than a third of patients with pharyngitis are infected by group A strep. It's also important to understand that the signs and symptoms of group A strep and non-streptococcal pharyngitis overlap so much that accurate diagnosis with clinical acumen alone is virtually impossible. Antimicrobial therapy is of no proven benefit for treatment of pharyngitis for organisms other than group A strep. Therefore, part of the strategy that the guidelines discuss is how to reliably exclude the diagnosis of group A strep pharyngitis in order to prevent inappropriate administration of antibiotics to large numbers of people who don't have streptococcal pharyngitis. In addition, the guidelines go over detailed recommendations for the treatment of group A strep pharyngitis. Joining us today is the chair of the guidelines committee that developed the clinical practice guideline, Dr. Stanford T. Schulman. Dr. Stanford T. Schulman is chief of the Division of Infectious Diseases at the Anne and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago and the Virginia H. Rogers Professor of Pediatric Infectious Diseases at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Schulman. Thank you. Since we only have about 20 minutes to discuss the guidelines, we'll restrict our discussion to the highlights of the guidelines and encourage listeners to go to the IDSA website at idsociety.org to download and read the full guidelines. Let's start with our first question. How should the diagnosis of group A beta hemolytic strep be established? Specifically, how good is clinical acumen and what's the place of rapid antigen detection tests and cultures? So because clinical acumen is so uh, unreliable, uh, we must have a diagnostic test that helps us to distinguish between those groups of patients. The, the diagnostic tests that are available include the old uh, standard, the throat culture, as well as rapid antigen detection tests for uh, group A streptococcal uh, disease. Each of those tests, have, of course, have uh, advantages and disadvantages, and uh, 
probably all are familiar with the fact that the rapid test uh, can be performed and give an answer uh, from a throat swab within uh, 15 minutes to 30 minutes uh, often. And uh, throat cultures, which may be more accurate, uh, have the disadvantage of requiring at least overnight incubation and really up to 48 hours of incubation um, before an answer can be uh, given and a decision can be made as to the patient's uh, clinical illness. So, so clearly there, there's an advantage uh, in terms of uh, both convenience and, and time using the rapid antigen detection test. Uh, is there a, how about if the uh, rapid antigen detection test is initially negative? It's clear that if it's positive, we can go ahead and treat the patient due to the high specificity of the test. But how about if uh, the test is, is negative? So uh, you've highlighted the fact that... Uh, rapid antigen detection tests uh, do not detect all of the positives, um, and there is a substantial false negative rate in utilizing the rapid antigen detection test. Uh, therefore, uh, the uh, guidelines emphasize that in children who have a much higher rate of streptococcal pharyngitis, when one does a rapid antigen detection test, in a patient that we suspect on clinical grounds may very well have strep throat uh, and we get a negative test, uh, that test should be backed up in children with a throat culture. Uh, the same recommendation is not made for adults because the risk of streptococcal pharyngitis is much lower in adults. The incidence is much lower and um, uh, a backup throat culture in adults is not routinely recommended for those who have a negative rapid detection test, but remains an option if the clinician wants to do that. That's a good point. So it's not something that has to be done in low probability adults, but let's say if an adult comes in uh, with a uh, with symptoms that are consistent with pharyngitis and their child was just diagnosed with strep, that's someone who if the rapid antigen detection test was negative, we might choose to do a, a follow-up culture. Is that right? That is correct. That's exactly right. Now, let's move on to our next general question, which is uh, who should undergo testing for group A streptococcal diagnosis? In other words, uh, should we care about the clinical likelihood of the person that we're seeing and uh, if they have symptoms, say, uh, of stuffed nose and uh, along with fever and a cough and, and a sore throat? Well, as you said in the introduction, uh, it's a minority of individuals who have pharyngitis symptoms who actually have uh, a streptococcal infection. The vast majority of individuals, both children and adults who have a sore throat, have a non-bacterial, non-group A streptococcal pharyngitis. And uh, the, 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 there's a fundamental problem if we if we swab the throats of those individuals who clearly have symptoms that are highly suggestive of a viral illness. The only positives that we are going to uh, find on our testing, whether it's a rapid test or a culture or both, uh, are individuals who really are chronic asymptomatic carriers of group A strep. Uh, who are not acutely infected, 
with that organism and, to, and whose symptoms are really not related to the group A strep. So there should be a selectivity uh, by clinicians in terms of from whom do they really want to obtain a throat swab and, and test for streptococcal pharyngitis. The patient who has a runny nose, hoarseness, cough, is a patient who has a viral illness. Whether or not, uh, so that's an individual who really should not have a throat culture performed because the, the illness uh, under question with those symptoms uh, and, and a few other symptoms can be added to that list, which I'll come back to, really do not indicate streptococcal pharyngitis. And that's the precise circumstance in which um, one will find, may pick up a group-based streptococcal carrier because um, uh, swabbing the throat may yield that organism, even though that's not the cause of the patient's symptomatology. And that leads to a lot of confusion in the management of patients. So that I think a selective uh, practice of culturing the, or, I'm sorry, swabbing the throats of individuals um, who really have the, the symptoms uh, of streptococcal pharyngitis rather than a host of viral type symptoms of coryza, cough, diarrhea, hoarseness, uh, diffuse ulcerative stomatitis, and a viral exanthem, any of those kinds of a combination of those kinds of symptomatology really speak to a non-bacterial infection, a non-streptococcal pharyngitis. That's a great point. So if we're culturing everyone that comes in, we'll have a lot of essentially false positive cultures representing colonization, uh, not infection. Uh, is there a sense how common uh, colonization is? Well, it, it's much more common than we uh, intuitively expect it to be, and it it sort of depends upon the age of the child and of the, of the patient. Uh, it's more common in children than in adults. Carriage uh, or this colonization, which we tend to call streptococcal carriage, uh, streptococcal carriage uh, is um, more com most common in children of school age from about 5 to 15 years of age. Um, and is there's a seasonality to it so that uh, colonization is more common uh, in uh, as the winter evolves into spring and carries over a little bit into the summertime, uh, at the at the more at the tail end of the the uh, streptococcal season, which is typically uh, from September to uh, March in most uh, climates. Well, that, that's so helpful. Yeah, I was going to add to that that uh, the rates of carriage uh, in in high in the highest uh, circumstances of school-age children uh, can approach uh, 20 to 25 uh, percent in, in the springtime. Uh, if we look at, say, fourth or fifth grade children where they're really at the peak of their streptococcal uh, experience and, and uh, colonization, uh, rates uh, of uh, 10 or 15 percent can be documented even in adult populations of uh, asymptomatic uh, individuals or individuals who have a clear-cut viral illness who happen to get their throat swab. That's great. So it really underscores the importance of selective testing. How about when, uh, what to do with children less than three years of age when they come in with uh, symptoms consistent with pharyngitis? 
the recommendations of the IDSA as well as of other organizations such as the American Academy of Pediatrics um, are uh, that it is not necessary to have the same vigilance about group A streptococcal pharyngitis in children under the age of three as it is in older age children uh, because children under the age of three uh, have a l much lower rate of uh, streptococcal pharyngitis. Um, but more important than that is the fact that even when a, a rheumatic fever was a highly endemic uh, and very serious complication of streptococcal pharyngitis, cases in children under the age of three virtually never occurred, exceptionally rare. So that um, we, we, we don't believe that the child under three uh, has the same risk for complications of streptococcal pharyngitis, and, and therefore we don't need to have the same uh, degree of uh, vigilance in, in that patient population. Okay, that's helpful information. Once uh, a child or an adult is treated and finished their uh, antibiotic course, our follow-up is any sort of follow-up testing required? Uh, there really is no recommendation for uh, follow-up uh, uh, cultures or rapid antigen testing after a patient has been administered uh, a course of uh, antibiotics for streptococcal pharyngitis. Um, streptococcal pharyngitis is a self-limited illness, and even without antibiotics, um, symptoms resolve fairly quickly. So um, uh, if a patient has persistent symptomatology, uh, uh, Despite a course of antibiotic, one of the recommended courses of antibiotics for streptococcal pharyngitis, uh, that symptomatology should not be attributable to persistent streptococcal pharyngitis. That's a, that's a condition that really doesn't really exist. That's a good point. Let's go on now to talk about treatment. What are the treatment options for patients diagnosed with uh, group A strep? The treatment recommendations have changed a little bit uh, from the previous, uh, and they need to be divided, of course, into the two, the two patient categories, those who um, are not allergic to uh, a penicillin-type antibiotic and recommendations for those individuals who have uh, or are suspected to have an allergy to penicillin or amoxicillin. For the patients without allergy, Recommendations are for children to receive uh, penicillin V orally, 250 milligrams, two or three times daily. Uh, and for adolescents and adults, 250 milligrams four times a day or 500 milligrams twice daily. Uh, and that is a 10-day course because 10 days is required for almost all regimens to completely eradicate group A strep. Uh, a new alternative in the recommendations is oral amoxicillin, which can be given in a once daily format, uh, 50 milligrams per kilogram uh, once daily with a maximum of a gram, uh, can be administered as a 25 milligram per kilogram dose up to 500 milligrams per dose twice daily. And another uh, option for the patient who is not penicillin allergic is the old standby of intramuscular benzathine penicillin, uh, which can be administered in a single dose at 600,000 units uh, for patients under 27 kilograms and 1.2 million units for patients who are 27 kilograms or more. 
For those individuals who have a penicillin allergy, uh, the uh, erythromycin is no longer recommended as therapy, but rather uh, cephalosporin, first-generation cephalosporin, such as cephalexin or cefadroxyl, uh, can be recommended for those patients who may be penicillin allergic as long as they don't have anaphylactic-type penicillin hypersensitivity. Um, other alternatives for the in individuals with penicillin allergy uh, now recommended are clindamycin orally. Uh, all of these are for 10 days. Uh, azithromycin orally, which is the only recommendation for a five-day course at a dose of 12 milligrams per kilo once daily for five days with a maximum of 500 milligrams per day. And uh, also clarithromycin orally is an alternative uh, for a 10-day course. So there, these are the current recommendations for treatment of streptococcal pharyngitis. Okay, and then our last question is, uh, how about the patient with frequent recurrent episodes? Uh, what should be the approach? The patient who appears to have frequent recurrent episodes of group A streptococcal pharyngitis within a relatively short period of weeks is most often a patient who is a chronic pharyngeal carrier of group A strep, that is, the patient is colonized for a prolonged period of time, and every time a throat swab is obtained on that individual, it turns up positive. These individuals don't have a resistant uh, type of group A strep. There, it's important for all to understand that group A strep has never been resistant to any penicillin or cephalosporin-type antibiotic. Individuals who have this uh, situation of seemingly lots of group A streptococcal pharyngitis in a brief period of time most likely represent chronic pharyngeal carriers of group A strep who are experiencing intercurrent viral uh, infections. And uh, therefore, the, it's particularly important in this group of individuals not to uh, do throat swabs on, uh, if their symptoms are much, much more suggestive of a viral illness, as we have discussed earlier, but, in, but are indeed uh, it is important to uh, test them, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, if they, their symptoms are not so suggestive of a viral illness and, in fact, are more suggestive of a bacterial process uh, going on in the throat. It is possible for individuals to have sequential group A strep pharyngitis due to different strains of the group A streptococcus. So this becomes a, a complex management issue because none of us in our offices uh, have the ability to know what type what specific type of group A strep an individual has. That can only be, a, information can only be obtained in retrospect in a research-type setting. Well, that's helpful. Uh, thank you, Dr. Schulman. We covered a lot of material, and just to briefly recap for our listeners, we talked about the use of rapid antigen detection tests as well as cultures, the difference in their use between children and adults, the fact that uh, essentially a positive rapid antigen detection test is uh, has enough specificity to allow you to go ahead and treat without a follow-up culture, but a negative rapid antigen detection test uh, is not sensitive enough in a 
high prevalence group like children or in an adult where you really believe they have strep to accept the negative test. And in those cases, uh, a follow-up culture needs to be done. We then talked about treatment of group A beta hemolytic strep pharyngitis with penicillin or amoxicillin. Particularly, we talked about the new dosing recommendations for once-a-day amoxicillin. And we talked about what the alternatives are for patients who have uh, uh, a history of allergy. I uh, really want to thank you. Uh, It was a, a really wonderful, helpful overview. Thank you. Thank you very much. My pleasure.